Welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast. For episode number 78, I am joined by Dr. Melissa Rittenhouse, a certified specialist in sports dietetics, a registered dietitian, and a running coach. Melissa has a PhD in exercise physiology, and she participated in the Olympic marathon trials multiple times. I think it's fair to say Melissa knows a few things about resilience and longevity in athletics, but one thing she knows a lot about is bone health. I'll tell you that I never gave much thought to bone health until a few years ago when I started breaking my bones in a string of bike crashes. I eventually gave up racing on the velodrome and in crits, but I could no longer believe that I was indestructible, and it has been bothering me more and more ever since. I asked Dr. Rittenhouse to help me better understand the whys and the hows of improving bone strength. If you are worried about your own bone strength, listen in as Melissa shares her knowledge on nutrition and exercise for improving bone health and delaying the inevitable declines in bone strength that comes with age. All right, let's talk to Dr. Rittenhouse. Dr. Melissa Rittenhouse, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Is it okay if I call you Melissa? Yes, that sounds great. Fantastic. Melissa, thanks for joining us again. Uh, You are an accomplished competitive runner who qualified for and participated in the Olympic marathon trials for the 2004, 8, and 12 Olympics. You are a registered dietitian and certified specialist in sports dietetics. Oh, and you have a PhD in exercise physiology. (laughs) Wow. I'm thinking you're going to be able to help us out. As you already know, but I'll just say it again, I always do, that the Wise Athletes podcast is for older athletes who seek longevity in athletics. One of the issues that older people and athletes have is decreasing bone strength. I often will say that falls leading to broken bones are the beginning of the end. And to avoid this, we can keep our legs strong so that we can catch ourselves when we stumble. We can maintain our sense of balance and we can keep our bones strong. And so it's on this last point that I'm hoping you're gonna be able to help us out and help us understand what we can do to stop maybe, or at least delay our bones from becoming too weak, uh, from interrupting our plans to be physically active for a very long time. What do you think? Can you help us out with this question? Yeah, I believe I can help you out, especially with the nutrition side. (laughs) Fantastic. Tell us what you can tell us. But before we dive into these weeds here, can you first give us an overview for the benefit of the audience, who you are and uh, your background? Sure. Uh, Yeah. So my main specialty is in nutrition and um, I work in the area of nutrition and human performance optimization. Um, So I have worked with athletes. Right now I have my own private practice, so I counsel a lot of athletes. So I think I can relate to a lot of questions that people might have in this area. Um, And I also do research for the military right now. Marvelous. I have been able to combine all of my degrees into one career. (laughs) Well, good for you. That sounds ideal and a useful career as well. I mean, being physically healthy is important to a lot of people. Maybe should be important to everybody. Okay, so uh, what I was thinking we would do is just kind of walk through this bone health topic in kind of a series of steps. And And I thought that the way to start would be Can you tell us something about why this happens? I mean, other than just we get old and our bodies break down, I don't even know what that means exactly, but what is happening? Why, why do our bones seem to get weaker as we get older and maybe, and actually are getting weaker as we get older? Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons. I can only speak to the nutrition reasons, but I will say a couple big things to consider are that our bones are are developing in the younger years. So 
if we don't, a lot of times, if we don't take care of our bones when we're young, like teenagers, when we're not really thinking about nutrition and our future, it actually, if your bones are, if you don't get your bone density as high as possible during that time, you may not suffer any consequences then. However, later in life, you may. So the best thing I can say is, is talk to the children, grandchildren, everyone below you uh, to make sure that, you know, everyone is, is following a healthy lifestyle and not following fad diets or different things like that. So from a nutrition standpoint, it is important that we learn how, how much to eat, what to eat, why to eat, and we start at a young age. So because that puts us at a better spot later in life. So, you know, if it's too, too late for you now, there's still things that we can do. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that let's start educating people a little younger so that they can go longer and farther and we can continue like we are in America um, and other countries just in general, sports are always getting better, right? Athletes are always finding ways to improve. So I think we owe it to other younger generations to take what we've learned and from our successes and failures and, and learn how to, or teach them how how to do better, right? So from a nutrition, yeah, yeah. yeah. So from a nutrition standpoint, first and foremost is uh, make sure that we're learning those things at an early age. Also, we want to make sure that we're not doing anything drastic, and this could go in regards to nutrition or physical activity. So a lot of things that I might talk about today are, are somewhat basic, but making sure you're getting enough calories, making sure that uh, for a variety of reasons, but if you're in a, a caloric deficit, it could put strain on your bones and you, your bones could break down. And whether you did that younger or older could be negative to your bone health. Um, and then in addition, there are certain vitamins and minerals that help with bones. And if you don't have enough, if you're low in say calcium or some of these other ones, you actually end up leaching more calcium from your bone and your bone, I'll say deteriorates more quickly. So there are things to, to consider, but I think I can keep it pretty basic and, and help people figure out things that they might be able to do to help with their bone great. health. Well, great. So if I understand it, then there's like two parts. One is when you're young, get your bones really strong and then do what you have to do to keep the decline in strength right to be as low as possible for as long as possible yeah yeah you want to you want to get the highest peak bone mineral density as possible so that when you do start to lose bone because as we age we do gradually start to lose bone and you want it to be gradual you don't want anything really drastic or anything like that so yeah it will be helpful if you start at an early age okay good so the second step that i would i wanted to go through would be this business of, well, how do we know? How do I, I mean, I am what I am right now. How mm-hmm. do I know whether I'm a person who's like, who has a bone density problem now, or I'm close, or, you know, I've got nothing to worry about for a long time. I mean, is there some way to know? Wait, the best way to know would be to get a DEXA scan. Um, now, some mm. insurances cover it and some don't. And there's different ways depending on, on what you're looking at, but usually they measure the uh, femur in the spine to tell you if you're, those are the two areas where if people were to fall down, uh, they would be likely to break something. And so they usually do that. And it tells you what your, your Z score is and tells you what your bone density is to tell you, you know, where you are compared to someone your age. So it, it, it's age matched. And so that's really good. So that'd be the best way to go if, if you can, if it's not too expensive. And, and are there any other like, uh, you know, physical signs like, uh, you know, somebody, 
breaks a bone when they fell down, but like you wouldn't have expected that that would have broken a bone. Is that maybe a bad sign? I guess something that you could kind of, you just have to be really pay attention to your body really well. If you know that you're not feeling well and you might feel some achiness in your bone uh, that you don't normally feel or you feel really tired, um, well, there's a variety of reasons. One, you could have like anemia or something like that. But from personal experience and from other people that I've I've worked with, if they start, they can catch it before they actually break the bone or before they get a stress fracture, right? If they start to get this dull ache in their bone uh, and, and it gets worse with physical activity, that'd be a sign, okay, hey, I should stop before I break it. Because that would be just a short period of time off, maybe a couple weeks versus having surgery or doing several months off because you have you know, fractured it and it, it needs to heal. And if as you get older, the healing process takes longer, which makes it even more frustrating, right? So my mm. best thing would be to kind of pay attention for those dull aches and pains, uh, especially those that tend to build up during exercise. Um, those would be red flags that you might have a bone issue going on. And so when you say it gets worse uh, with exercise, is it like hurt during the exercise or it hurts after? Yeah, no, uh, bone pain, usually it hurts during the exercise, unlike tendon issues, which are more usually after the fact, uh, like later in the day when you're sitting around, the bone injuries are usually hurting while you're being active. Okay, so uh, that's a good clue. And um, what about like family history? I mean, if you've got people in your family who had uh, osteoporosis, is that a clue that maybe you're kind of genetically susceptible? Yeah, uh, I'd say anyone with small bones, you know how they do, used to do the bone tests when you were kids, and they tell you if you're a small bone, medium bone, large bone, anyone with small bones uh, is at higher risk. Um, there is family history. If you have a family history of osteopenia or osteoporosis, um, those that could be a risk factor as well. But But again, it depends on what your nutrition and your physical activity was like. Um, also, people that have more um, body fat, I'm, I'm talking like obesity, they, over time, that actually breaks your bone down. Um, so those are all things to, um, those are all things to work on or, or to be aware of. And what about hormonal things? I know that uh, women go through menopause and then they, and they lose their source of estrogen. And I understand that estrogen is really a key for, for bone health. And that seems to be related also to men, maybe with low T, isn't testosterone maybe the source of men's estrogen? Anything there? Yeah, the biggest thing is, is if you're not getting enough calcium. So calcium is um, a nutrient that we have to consume. Our body doesn't make calcium. So we have to make yeah. sure we're getting enough. If we're not getting enough calcium, uh, then our body um, will break it, break down, um, and then we'll end up with lower bone mass. So the, the other reason that is important is, is because if you're not getting, well, it, it could depend on why the hormones are off. If it's just an aging process or if you're not getting enough calories, so you're under fueling or they call it um, energy availability. If you have low energy availability, meaning for whatever reason, you're just not getting enough calories to meet your exercise demands, uh, that actually de decreases your hormone level as well. Um, regardless of the reason, um, once your hormone levels uh, decrease, you it does cause the calcium to be leached from the bone, which is not what you want. So you're trying to build bone up, right? But also there's this other factor. Whereas if you're not do, if you're not eating enough or not eating the right nutrients, you're also actually leaching calcium out of your bones at a faster rate. So we want to try to avoid that as well. Um, 
and yet okay. during menopause, women always uh, estrogen does help to maintain the bone mass. But once you don't have that, it can also start to decrease more rapidly. So the the main thing there is to try to make sure you're getting enough calcium and enough calories throughout training. Is, is there anything that would be particular about like older athletes? Um, so uh, you know, when we get older we recover more slowly, you know, and, and if we're not cross training, then maybe we're not letting, but we're doing high impact work. Maybe we're not, maybe our bones, I would assume adapt and repair themselves more slowly than a muscle would. So it would, your bones, if they're getting damage and I assume that they do, um, they need time. Anything there? Yeah, it's, I'd say the biggest thing there is not doing anything too drastic. As I mentioned at the beginning with diet or with exercise, sometimes people get really gung-ho. So say in the summer or things like that, when the weather turns nice, they yeah. they want to hurry up and they want to increase their speed and they want to do increase their long runs or their other. So if you increase too quickly, whether it be uh, right. intensity or duration or both, particularly if you increase both too quickly, uh, you're putting more too much strain on your body. So the biggest thing you can do is always progress slowly and don't do anything drastic. Um, the same is yeah. true with nutrition uh, as well. But as far as your bones can recover, if if you've taken care of your, your body, if you have enough muscle, but if you are had an off season and then you jump in too quickly, your muscles and your tendons are not really ready. So that, that could also put too much strain on the bones and, and the other soft tissue as well. Uh, and then, then you can end up with an overuse injury just because you progress too quickly. So that would be the biggest yeah. factor. Um, also, if you have good bone density, you're less likely to suffer from some of that. But as you get older, if your bone dense, if your bone is more porous, so say you have osteoporosis and osteopenia, or you didn't, and you didn't know it, unfortunately, you could increase, and you didn't think much about it, and you could end up um, doing something to hurt yourself because your bone is more porous at that time. So it'll just break a little bit more easily. So the goal is to try to stay healthy, keep the bone, keep the bone mass by keeping muscle mass, right? Early on, uh, or in early on, it's 50s, right? I'm not, I'm talking like, usually the bone, if you don't have osteopenia or osteoporosis, you can keep the bones pretty healthy until 60s, 70s. But at that point, they do start to decrease even in those that, that don't have it. But you're at more at risk if you have the porous bones. If you have good solid bones, you'll be able to tolerate and push yourself a little bit more than someone that bones are not quite as dense. Okay. Uh, all right. So then the, the next thing that I thought we would go through, and this is sort of the meat of it then would be, well, what should we be doing? What could we do now to improve our bone health, to push off these problems that maybe are inevitable eventually, but later is better. Mm -hmm. And I, I suppose, you know, some of it is just general how to be a healthy person stuff. But to the extent that you can tell us how do we what should we do with our bodies to help with our bone health, that would be helpful. Okay, well, there are a lot of things I've already mentioned calories. And you know, if you don't know, how many calories you need, just pay attention to big things like don't skip me like do the basics first. So don't skip meals, make sure you're I know as as people get older, they're like trying not to gain weight or do these other things. Um, and so they're skipping meals or people are busy. So first and foremost, try to figure out whether you talk to a, a professional 
or uh, you track your intake or whatever, try to figure out if you're getting enough to meet your needs, depending on your activity level. And then from there, we get into the macronutrients. Well, before we, oh, go ahead. Before we change gears on that, because there are people, uh, me included, who would like to lose some weight. Yes. And so, you know, when I, when I want to lose some body fat, but I want to keep my muscles, mm -hmm. there's some protocols that I can follow for that I can up my protein intake and I can do some resistance training while I'm in a calorie deficit and I'll, I'll hang on to more of my muscle than I would have otherwise. Are there, is there anything like that, a parallel for bone health? Um, well, that, that approach still works. The only thing I would caution is, is that you have to do it slowly. If you try to lose weight too fast, then you, you actually lose muscle, which is more dangerous, right? Than than losing the yeah. fat. Your goal is to lose fat. So I'd say most people, the goal would be to lose one to two pounds a week, females closer to one males closer to two pounds. It depends how much you have to lose overall. Yeah. Um, but I would say keep it in a small caloric deficit. Um, that protein does help. Well, there's a little bit of mixed research on that now, but overall, if you if you do have protein, it does help to retain some of that muscle mass, so um, that you don't lose. Your goal is to obviously keep the muscle mass and lose the fat mass, right? So um, yeah. the, that protein is supposed to help maintain the muscle, the lean muscle mass. Um, so you do need. Does a, it help maintain the bone too? Yes. If you, if you can maintain muscle, you are also maintaining bone ah, because the, good, because good the muscle pulls on the bone, right? So that's how you strengthen your bone is, um, if you're, if your muscles are working. So the, I don't say the more muscle you have, but, but it's true. The more lean muscle mass you have, the more likely your bones will be stronger, assuming there's nothing else going on, any medical yeah. conditions. So yes, it is true the, you do want to be lean because if you can be lean, then there's a lot of different reasons why your bones are actually stronger. Okay, great. Well, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Um, you had talked about um, not losing weight too fast mm -hmm. uh, uh, and otherwise making sure that you're eating enough. And uh, then you were going to tell us some more. Yeah, well, I was going to break it down. Uh, then I can talk about the macronutrients, which we already pretty much discussed. Um, we, I don't have to really tell you. There's nothing specific about carbohydrates and, and bone health other than uh, I don't, for the most part, depending on what type of sport you're doing, uh, the carbohydrates will be the fuel source and you break them down quickly. Um, so I don't really think there's a need for anyone to be restricting carbohydrates. Um, protein will help with muscle repair and recovery, which therefore will be helpful for the lean muscle mass. And it'll also help for those that are trying to lose a little bit of weight as well. Um, and then for athletes, you don't have to you don't have any special fat needs. It's the same as the general population, other than the fact you don't really want less than 20% of your calories. You don't want too low of a fat diet. If, you're, if, you're, if your diet is too low in fat, uh, then you could be deficient in the fat-soluble vitamins, which are vitamin A, D, E, and K, and, and vitamin D and K are very important to bone health. So that would be the only thing with, with the macronutrients and the, and the fat is making sure you're not deficient in any of those fat-soluble vitamins. But as athletes, you don't really have an increased need to consume more fat. Maybe the focus there would be shifting the fat, focusing more on the consuming monounsaturated fats, which I can talk about, and, and uh, omega-3s, which are polyunsaturated fats, and less saturated fats, which are in animal products. That would be the best thing yeah. to do from a fat perspective. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and tell us more about the mono and the poly, and then I want to ask you a question about the protein. Okay. Yeah. So um, 
Well, saturated fats, as I mentioned, are in are in the higher fat meats and things like that and bacon and, and things like that. So that's what we just want to make sure we're not getting more than 10% of our calories from saturated fat. Um, the monounsaturated, there's been some research to show that having monounsaturated fats in your diet help with bone health. Um, and so those are the things like olive oil, avocados, some nuts and seeds, um, things like that. Those are all monounsaturated fats. Um, and then polyunsaturated fats are, um, there's omega-3 and omega-6. A lot of foods contain omega-6, so we don't really have to worry about those. But the omega-3s are also a, a type of a nutrient that we have to consume or we don't get enough of it. So the omega-3s, unfortunately, are not in a lot of foods, and they're absorbed best from animal sources, which are mostly fish, so salmon. Um, it, it is in walnuts and chia and flaxseed, but that's an ALA instead of EPA and DHA, which is a different form. So you, it takes a lot, a large volume to actually get enough of what we need. Um, and But the reason that the polyunsaturated fats, particularly the omega-6, I'm sorry, the omega-3 are important is because they help with oxidative stress. And I think you probably have heard about that a little bit. Um, so oxidative stress could, over time, if you're constantly wearing on your body, it could have a negative impact on bone health. So having enough of the omega-3s will help decrease the um, oxidative stress. And the salmon and things like that are also high in calcium and vitamin D. So it's like a, it's like a triple whammy, right? <laughs> you can get all of the nutrients that you need or most of the nutrients that you need, um, plus you're getting an an anti-inflammatory effect. So that's why uh, nice. fat could be important uh, for bone health. Well, great. Okay. Well, thanks for that. And so going back to the protein, there's the uh, essential amino acids that would, mm -hmm. which um, are necessary. Um, but collagen is a protein. And uh, is there like collagen supplements or collagen in certain kinds of foods that people should take for bone health in particular? Um, I would recommend trying to get protein from food if if someone is consuming animal products. Collagen is fine. Um, it it is missing one of the essential amino acids, so it's n I wouldn't do it just by itself. I'd make sure that you're getting enough um, protein from other sources. And if you wanted to have collagen in addition to the other protein sources you're having, that's fine. Um, it, yeah. it could be helpful for recovery. There's not a lot of research that I'm aware of on collagen and bone health per se. There's a lot of research on collagen and soft tissue. Um, so I guess it kind of goes down to the total total protein you're getting and the, and the quality of protein. And by quality of protein, you want to make sure that you're getting enough protein and you want to make sure you're getting all of the essential amino acids. Um, and but the, but the body's pretty magnificent. As long as you're getting enough throughout the day, your body can adapt. It, it doesn't have to be like set times. Now there is some research to show that if you spread your protein out throughout the day, so say like four or five times throughout the day, um, you actually could absorb a little bit more of it. So it could help with the lean muscle mass a little bit more, help with the building of the muscle and the repair of the muscle versus eating say 90 to 100 grams of protein all at one time. Um, so there is some research to show that it might be more beneficial to, to spread it out for the lean muscle mass. Okay. Well, so in terms of, actually, uh, I, I've interrupted you. So um, you were telling us of the things we could do to improve our bone health, to delay the bones getting weaker as we get older. Yeah. So, so I was just starting, I was going down the list kind of there, going through big picture, like overall nutrition quality. And then I went through the macronutrients. And then there's uh, there are certain vitamins and minerals that are helpful as well. Um, and as you know, calcium is a big one. 
Um, I don't know if everyone knows how much they're supposed to have, but I, I will mention a little bit about it, even though everyone knows they're supposed to have calcium. I have noticed uh, throughout my practice and, and different things that a lot of people are avoiding dairy. And so I'm worried that not everyone's getting enough calcium. Now I know young athletes don't get enough calcium, but also, also as we age, people become more lactose intolerant because as you stop consuming dairy products, your body stops making lactates, the enzyme that breaks down the dairy products. So then people don't tolerate it. Um, so I am still worried that people as you get older are also not getting enough calcium. So men need at least 1000 milligrams a day and women as well, but after the age of seven, or actually as soon as menopause hits, so before 70, uh, they actually need 1300 milligrams a day. And a good source of calcium, so food that has a good source of calcium is considered 200 to 300 milligrams. So for example, like a glass of skim milk might be 300 milligrams. So I I'm not sure that everyone's getting 1,000 to 1,300 milligrams of calcium because that's that's a lot of different sources. And it is in things besides, da besides dairy. It's in the leafy greens and other things. Uh, but I do think that a lot of people are that could be deficient in it. And um, as I've mentioned, if you're deficient in it, then that kind of cascades the process of losing bone. So not only are you not yeah. building the bone, but then you're losing it at a faster rate. So I do think it is worth mentioning that even though everyone knows they're supposed to have calcium. I, I think it's still worth mentioning that. Um, well, can they take calcium supplements? Yes, they can take calcium supplements. Um, I, I do like to get things from food if they can, but if, but if there's a reason why they can't, so say lactose intolerance or something, um, usually there's calcium citrate and calcium carbonate. Um, I, I forget which is which I think calcium carbonate you take on an empty stomach and calcium citrate you take with food. So it depends on when you're going to consume it. Um, but that will definitely help with the, with the calcium. If I was taking more than I needed just to make sure I had enough, is there a downside to taking too much? Oh uh, yeah. Typically from supplements, uh, maybe not necessarily from food, but if you take a high dose of too high of dose of calcium, then yeah, you could, um, it could be more detrimental than harmful. Could you could be ending up, like um, having calcium deposits or leaching calcium to the bone, but it depends also if you're having a lot of vitamin D. So if you're having a vitamin D, you're actually helping with the absorption of the calcium. So it's kind of a, a double factor, but, but yeah, I'd say it's more of a problem from supplements than from food. You can have too much from food and your body would know what to do with it. But the problem with the supplements is, is that sometimes there's mega doses in supplements. And so you want to try to avoid that. Oh, good to know. Okay, well, let's come back to supplements. Uh, is there anything else that uh, you were going to tell us? Um, I was just, as I started to mention, vitamin D is important. Uh, and a lot of people already know that they might be di vitamin D deficient. Um, and so there's different guidelines for vitamin D. The Institute of Medicine says it's about 20 nanograms per milliliter. So even if you go to the doctor, you, it might say normal or, or below normal or whatnot. Uh, but the endocrine society is a little higher at about 30 nanograms per milliliter. And athletes in general need to be on the higher end. They're thinking 30 to 40 nanograms, which might be considered, uh, it might not be considered deficient based on the normal blood panel. It might be insufficient or something like that. Um, so it's just worth knowing. A lot of times though, people are already taking vitamin D just because their doctor wants them to or other reasons. Um, but I would just say, you're looking to have a little bit higher level of vitamin D if you're really active. Now, if you're outside, like on the bike or doing something for several hours a day, you're probably fine. Um, but I have seen over the years, usually a little bit higher level of vitamin D 
um, less risk of stress fractures and, and fractures. So I, I usually look to see that they're 30 to 40 nanograms per milliliter. Is this a standard item on a, on a blood panel? Because I, I don't think I have ever seen a vitamin T test on any blood test that I've ever had done on for a physical. It might not say vitamin. It might say uh, 25OH in parentheses D, which is uh, the blood marker that they use for vitamin D. So it's uh, considered okay. hydroxy vitamin D or it might say hydroxy vitamin D, but it usually says like 25 OHD. Um, and is it standard? It's not on a complete metabolic panel. So they might have to do it separately. Um, a lot of times it is extra actually. Yes. All right. So anyway, it's something to ask your doctor mm -hmm. to, to include if um, yeah. you're wanting to know how are you doing? What else? Um, yeah, and as I, I guess as I mentioned, for vitamin D, there's not a lot of sources of vitamin D, but the sunlight has it. It is also in egg yolks and is in salmon, as I mentioned. Um, it's in fortified foods, so some of the fortified, so it's in milk. It might be in fortified orange juice, things like that. So, again, I'm always trying to look for the food, <laughs> food first approach. Sure. Other than that, let's see, some other minerals. Potassium is, a, is another mineral of, of interest. Um, so it, the best thing I can say, if you want basics is obviously make sure you're getting enough calories, make sure you get the macronutrients and then make sure you're getting fruits, vegetables, and whole grains because they have all of the nutrients that you need. So we still have, we've already talked about calcium and vitamin D, but then there's potassium and magnesium are also really important, um, for bone health. And all of these things are in fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. So, um, it's important that people are just sticking again sticking to the basics but also knowing the why so a lot of times you're like yeah yeah i know i'm supposed to eat fruits and vegetables and whole grains but if you know the why particularly in relation to bone health uh then you can it might be a little more easy for you to implement it because you can can relate to it a little bit better um so for, sure. for potassium they actually say you need six to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day which is a little bit you know probably a little more than what the general guidelines are. But if you want to make sure you're getting enough potassium, um, that would be good. And it does, it does just help, um, again, with the calcium and making sure that the bones, it, what it does is it prevents or decreases the urinary excretion of calcium. So if you're not getting enough of these, these uh -huh. vitamins and minerals, you could just be excreting calcium at a faster rate. Um, so what the, it does is it helps to decrease the excretion of calcium. Well, potassium is also good for blood pressure control, yep. and, and maybe that's how they can get it. They buy that salt that's sort of a combination of uh, sodium and potassium, and, and that'll help their blood pressure and yeah. get them there. Yeah, as you, as you age and things, uh, blood pressure does go up, but that could also be related to weight and things. But potassium is important for heart health. It's important for a lot of things as we age. So, yeah, it, it'd be good to do it that way. But there's a lot of potassium in like a baked potato has a ton of potassium. So it's in a lot of foods uh, that people eat regularly. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, that's um, good. So um, what else then? Um, magnesium also, which again is in the fruits, vegetables, but it's another one that can help um, contribute to the bone strength. Um, it also is important for the for protein synthesis and developing of the muscle and nerve functions. So that's also really important. Um, usually people can get enough, well, there's different theories on this, but usually people can get enough magnesium, but that's again, if they're eating the six to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. So not everyone is doing that, but, but in general, that would be another one to consider. 
Yeah, six to nine is a lot. I, I'm <laughs> guessing almost nobody is <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. six to nine. <laughs> yeah, but keep in mind that portions are small. Like, for example, a half a cup is a serving or a piece of fruit the size of a baseball is a serving. So the serving sizes are small. Um, but, okay. but yeah, I still agree that most people probably are not doing that. All right. Well, so what else? Decreasing the rate of decline in our bone strength. Another thing to pay attention to would be iron. I guess this would be more important for probably the women that are menstruating. Um, men, men, if they are, if they're, if they've increased their activity pretty quickly, because um, if you end up with anemia, or if you're someone that has a history of anemia, you're more likely to have lower bone density. So keeping to, uh-huh. keeping um, your iron stores up, you know, up are really important also to help with the bone density. Um, as well. So I would imagine most people would know if they've had anemia or not. Um, As women get older and they do not have a menstrual cycle anymore, that that eases up for them. But men also have anemia. It's usually, um, it depends. Maybe they're not eating red meat or they're not eating a lot of sources of iron or they increase their activity. When you increase your activity pretty pretty quickly, you have this short period of time where your iron levels are, are low. They, they call that like a, a pseudo anemia typically, um, but in some cases it might stick around for a little while. Um, so it is important just to, to make sure that it's not low, um, just because you don't want to have any other reasons why. And iron's in, obviously it's in the red meats, but it's in beans and lentils, it's in some of the leafy greens like spinach and some of the fortified cereals. Uh, it's just, it's not in a lot of things, but it's a lot of the fortified things or, or some of those you just have to be aware of what it's in because I guess what I'm saying is it's not – some people could go uh, and not eat iron for – if they don't eat those types of foods, they could eat a low iron diet. And other than that, the other nutrients of concern, as I already mentioned, like the fatty acids, the omega-3s, um, in addition to the omega-3s, the antioxidants, vitamins A, C, and E, are also important for the same reason. They help defend against the um, free radical damage, which happens from exercise. So free radical damage can occur if you have too much inflammation. So say you have uh, high cholesterol or you have a chronic disease of some form, there's usually an increase in free radicals. But also if you exercise a lot, you could have this um, increase in free radicals. And what that does is it causes oxidative stress and could damage the cells in your body if you don't have all the right nutrients to help get them out. So the omega-3s and, the, and those antioxidants, vitamin A, C, and E, they help to bind to that and, and get it out of the system. Um, so therefore, they're, they're kind of a protective mechanism for our bones. I see. A, a recent thing that I've heard about that since you mentioned it is, is how they say, oh, well, don't have antioxidants while you're exercising because mm-hmm. that'll reduce the adaptation you get from yeah. i mean is that like a a minor thing to worry about or is that is that real and is there like a, oh just wait three hours or you know, yeah what, what do you say it is um i actually have heard of that and it is somewhat real now i would say they do say that you can have the antioxidants before exercise uh what they're what the the purpose behind it is, is you don't want to be taking high doses of antioxidants like supplements right after because then you're delaying or I, don't, I guess delaying your body's response. So your body has a normal defense mechanism and it's trying to take care of this on its own. And if you give it a high dose of the antioxidants, it's kind of like stopping your body from doing its natural thing. So I would say it's okay to have the the antioxidant foods, but definitely don't have any supplements or anything within, yeah, within a couple hours after. But if, if it's part of your normal routine, it will be beneficial. But they okay. just don't want you to take a bunch of, the goal is not to 
go take a bunch of antioxidants right after you finish exercise to to um, help yourself because they're saying in the long run it may, it may prevent your body from doing its natural thing. Right. Okay. Were you at the end of the list of things you wanted to tell us? Um, I think so. The only other, I, I did mention the fat-soluble vitamins. Um, I didn't mention vitamin yeah. K yet. So vitamin K yeah. is, I mean, so it's one of the fat-soluble vitamins. So if you're low in your fat intake, you could be low in it. It is in a lot of the leafy greens. So again, if, if you already are doing everything that I've just mentioned, like having the kale, spinach, broccoli, things like that, it's you're probably okay. But if you're if you have any heart things or if you're taking blood thinners like warfarin, Coumadin type things, your vitamin K, it could take some of the vitamin K out of your body and that could lower bone density over time. So some people might be on, on blood thinners for a long period of time. And that could actually be something that you should maybe talk to your doctor about be like, Oh, and I know that they don't tell you to stop taking vitamin K when you're on those. But what is if you're on a high enough dose, it could be could be taking some out of your bones and could increase the breakdown of your bones over time so that and then they have new medications out there now and i think that's why um that's one of the reasons why um so that, that's just something for those that might be taking a medication like that that'd be something to consider um, if you're worried about bone health yeah well that's what we're talking about here <laughs> yeah well fantastic so um let's go back to this topic of supplements uh uh, you've mentioned things and you know you, you say magnesium and i think pill you know calcium <laughs> and i think pill and what you mean is food you know eat food that has these things in it mm -hmm. but people i think you know a lot of people are like me and they're thinking oh well i could just take a supplement for that i you know i don't want to eat kale or spinach but i can take <laughs> a supplement for that what is the downside of supplements i mean is there a danger i mean because they cost money okay but mm -hmm. is there a danger like if you take a supplement well I mean, maybe it's got something in there that you didn't want, or when you take a supplement, it doesn't really get absorbed very well. And so, you, you know, you think you're okay and you're not, or you could take too much and you actually are hurting yourself in a, another way, or, you know, what do you say about supplements? Yes, all of the above are true. <laughs> um, so... I'm not, I'm not anti-supplements. Um, I do recommend certain supplements. So like omega-3s when people can't get enough of it and things like that. I guess my big takeaway is that I would probably not recommend individual supplements like just magnesium by itself un unless you have a clinical diagnosis for uh, a reason. Because when you, got, when you buy the individual supplements, the doses are really higher, a lot higher. So I would say maybe because the people that tend to take multivitamins are the ones that are a little healthier anyway. <laughs> um, so, but if you were to take a multivitamin, you would want to find one that has the nutrients that you're looking for and that the daily value is about 100%. You don't want a mega dose um, because there are vitamins and minerals that interact with one another, like iron and zinc and calcium and iron. Like you don't, you maybe don't want you, so you might be looking at one and be like, well, this one has iron, but not calcium, or this one has calcium, but not iron, or the, lo the dose might be really low on one of them. And that's because of the interaction between the different nutrients. But um, if you were to take one, I would say probably take a daily vitamin, but make sure the daily value is not really high, not a super dose. So uh, look at the daily value and just to be around 100%, not too much over that. The other thing you can do is to look for that USP symbol, um, because what that means is somebody, a third party has come in and evaluated and said, yes, you are actually getting what you're paying for. <laughs> Everything that's on that label is in there. If it's not USP certified, and that's that, that USP letters with the green circle, 
if it's not USP certified, you actually have no idea if you're getting anything that's even on the label. Um, and then there's also the opposite. You don't even know if there's anything extra in there. So the real danger with supplements, it's not as risky for vitamins, but depending on what other supplements that company makes, um, they could have anabolic steroids or prescription drugs or other things in there. The FDA does regulate supplements, but not the same as drugs or foods and things like that. So only after negative side effects have happened and enough people have reported it, do they actually investigate it and, and then getting it off the market is even harder at that point. Um, so those are usually more the sports type supplements, even sometimes protein powder, which are all, those are all pretty basic, but you gotta see what other products those, those companies are making. If they're making weight gainers or weight loss, a lot of times the weight loss supplements or testosterone boosters, a lot of times they have prescription drugs or anabolic steroids or other things in there and they're not listed on the label. And the only way, yeah. the only way you would know that is if it was a third party company. But as far as the, the vitamins and minerals, the biggest concern would be having one that has too much and then you're not getting enough of another vitamin or mineral um, or, or just wasting money because you're buying something that doesn't have, <laughs> doesn't have in it what, what you think it has in it. So I would say if you get the USP certified, so like Nature Made is one of the more common brands and, and you'll be able to quickly see it right on the shelf, which ones are USP certified. Yeah. Um, that would be my okay. best recommendation. Great. And uh, hit on this um, taking too much calcium, supplemental calcium once more, because I, I never heard that before. And I'm sure anybody who's worried about their bone health has taken calcium, you know, whether it's in a multivitamin or in a standalone thing. And so this business of, yeah, if you take too much, that actually is hurting you. Tell me about that again. Yeah, um, I actually, I don't remember if there is an upper limit for calcium, but if there is an upper limit, you definitely don't want to go over that. The, the real negative of having too much calcium is, is that you would probably maybe not have enough because it interacts with iron and other things like that. So that, that would be the biggest thing. Um, and then if you, yeah, if you have too much, usually it's only if you have too much calcium and too much vitamin D that you could end up with just calcium, like extra calcium in your body. Usually if it's just calcium, then it's not too much of an issue. Okay, but if you have too much calcium and too much vitamin D, which is not, I mean, some right. calcium supplements come with vitamin D in them. Yeah. And if you're taking an extra pill just to be sure, and and because you've got the vitamin D, I suppose that helps with absorption, then yes. you're getting too much calcium being absorbed and then you're having problems. So um, anyway, I think this goes back to your point of don't buy these standalone things because yeah. then you have a chance of having too much and yeah. and if you're going to not get it in your food just do a multivitamin that only has like 100% not more than that. Yeah, and I just actually looked up the upper limit for calcium and for the younger for younger people it's 3000 milligrams a day for the 50 and over it's 2000 milligrams a day. So yeah, if you just keep it closer to what the recommended amount is, that would be best. All right, great. Uh, and so what about exercise? Is there things we can do to help with our bone health exercise-wise? Well, anything weight-bearing helps with your bones. But as I mentioned, you want to increase it gradually. You don't want to increase it too fast. So by weight-bearing, I'm talking walking, running. The more the more impact you have, and not that I want you to have too much impact as you get older, but the, the more impact you have, if your muscles are ready for it, the, the stronger your bones will be. It's when you go over that threshold of what your body is able to tolerate that it could be negative. But things like walking, running are all considered weight-bearing. 
bicycle is not is a little is not that much weight bearing. Swimming is not weight bearing. So for people that are trying to make sure they they have an, they're building their bone strength, they want to make sure that they are are actually weight bearing and gradually increase the um, any impact. So how often, like once a week or twice a week or once a month? I mean, how often do you need to do this weight-bearing impact stuff, which I guess could just simply be walking? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you have to, the walking and things, that could be every day. If you're not, it depends what you're used to, right? So, um, and what your volume is. You never want to increase your, your intensity more than 10% per week. Same with volume too. So it all goes down to where you're at. And so just want to increase, and you don't ever want to increase um, intensity and volume at the same time, because that will, could be too much stress at one time. So just figure out what you need to do. If you're not doing anything because you're recovering from an injury, the best thing to do would just be the low impact and then gradually add like one day of more, of more intensity and then, you know, continue to gradually add a little bit more. Um, whereas if you're someone that's been training and you haven't had any injuries, uh, you could, you should, you could probably be doing the strength, the impact based activities five times a week. It would be fine if you're already used to it. And is um, resistance training sufficient? Yes. If I'm lifting weights with my legs and my back and my arms, yes. is that enough? Uh, yes. Strength training is definitely weight bearing and that, yes, anything that you can do to basically, if you think about it, anything that's requiring your muscles to work and build and get stronger is also strengthening your bones. So definitely. Excellent. All right. So the last thing I had on my list here was, uh, I was just wondering if there were any sort of commonly held beliefs about bone strength or helping bone strength or myths that really are not true. Uh, Maybe they're dangerous or maybe they just don't help at all. But, you know, like for example, I heard that eating an acidic diet will cause your body to leach calcium from your bones. I mean, that sounds crazy to me, but is there any truth to that? Yeah, no, the, the body responds to foods differently. So what, uh, depending on what they're, if they're talking about like acidic foods, like uh, fruits and vegetables, no, like, like citrus fruits, no, that's not. But, the, but maybe they're talking about something else. But no, I do not believe there's much truth to that. Um, another, okay. another common thing that you might hear is that dairy is inflammatory. Um, and like yeah. I said, there's other reasons for that dairy might not be tolerated by people, but dairy is actually not inflammatory. And maybe if they're having whole milk, vitamin D, and they're also eating a lot of high fat saturated, the rest of their diet is, is inflammatory, but, but dairy itself is not inflammatory. There, there's other reasons okay. why people might not tolerate it. But so, but I do have a lot of people that are avoiding dairy, which therefore are inhibiting some of their reasons for not getting enough calcium because they're afraid to consume dairy. And now it's different if they can't consume it from a lactose perspective, but, but if they're yeah. afraid to have it, that's, that's a whole different story. All right. So anything else, any other myths or commonly believed things which are not true? Mm, I cannot think of any. I'm sure there's plenty out there. <laughs> I hear new things every day and then I have to go research them and, and see where they, where the premise of that came from. But yeah, I'm not aware of any all as far right. as bone health goes. Okay. All right. Good. Well, Melissa, your, your expertise goes beyond bone health, obviously. And before we wrap up, I, I, I want to give you a chance to tell our audience of older athletes anything else that we haven't talked about that you would say you would tell a friend. Yeah. These are additional things that you would want to do, would want to know. 
My best advice would be just do the basics, everything that we talked about today. A lot of times I have friends or people that come to me and they want to try um, a fad diet or the latest sports product or things like that. Um, it's okay to try it every now and then, but you're going to, you're going to perform better and have a better health if you can do the basics. If, and a lot of people forget about that. First, get the basics down. Most people are not getting the basics down. So making sure they're getting all of the nutrients that they need, getting the right amount of calories, macronutrients, getting all those foods that we talked about. That's the best thing that, that you can do. And it will make you a better athlete as well. Fantastic. Great advice. Melissa, uh, tell us how we can find you online. Uh, sure. My, well, I have a, a business. It's called Sports and Wellness Nutrition. Com. You can find me there and send me a message if you had any questions. That'd probably be the easiest way. I'll put that link in the show notes. And are you on social media anywhere? Yes, but I'm not very good with social media at this time. I'm working. <laughs> I'm one of those older adults. I'm working on my social media skills. <laughs> uh, we won't hold that against you. Anyway, um, so people can find you uh, on your website and find out more information about you and, and how to work with you there. That's great. Melissa, well, thank you very much. This was very helpful to me and hopefully my audience as well. You have a great day. Thanks. You too. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my discussion about improving bone health with Dr. Rittenhouse of Sports and Wellness Nutrition. You can find more information about Melissa and her company in the show notes. And while you're there, you can sign up to take a free fitnesses practices assessment, send us a question to address on the podcast, see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. That'd be a great help. Thanks again.